Hello everyone, welcome to the Rubonas podcast. I'm the host Donatos Urbonas and I'm joined by my colleagues Ritis Vishnauskas, Augusta Sholauskas. Hello everyone. Hi guys, how are you doing? I actually still feel a little bit dizzy and I'm just not sure if it's because of the fever that I had, if it's because of lack of sleep or it's because of this amazing night that we had yesterday against Team USA. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it still feels surreal that we won against the United States. The game was amazing itself. It wasn't like a defensive battle. So it was beautiful to watch. And uh, yeah, it's only the third time in Lithuania history, I think, that. And the first one we doesn't even count. States. I mean, okay, Trajan Langdon, Brad Miller were on that, on that team. But it was the team based on, I think, NCAA players, if I'm correct. So. It was okay. It was nice to beat Team USA, but it's different to beat Team USA when it's like built from NBA players. So, to me, it's the second uh, win against Team USA that we had, and the first one mm -hmm. happened 19 years ago. Uh, I remember those clips. Sharas does America. I watched that clip like thousand times. Probably even to this day, I could repeat word by word what Linus Kunigelis was commentating. You know, those plays when Charles made all those three-pointers, probably I could repeat him word by word. Uh, and I really wish that teenagers, kids will also repeat something from yesterday's game in the upcoming weeks, months, and will remember this night uh in the upcoming years because it was special it it, it was mean meaningless game uh if we will look at the standings if we look at the uh, bracket uh it doesn't change anything we didn't win a medal but sport uh, to me sports is not just about you know standings uh qualifications or stuff sports is about inspiring people and i believe that games like that it inspired a lot of young people to fell in love uh, with the game of basketball and inspire just us adults with all these memories that brought us back to 2004 and how much of these victories for a small nation like Lithuania with population of 3 million people means to us. So I'm really proud. I'm really proud of our guys, of this team, of this roster. I mean, as Augustus broke down in his tweet, one NBA player, five yearly guys, the population of the city of Chicago. Uh, some some of these guys were about to retire a few years ago. Some of these guys, to this day, in this championship, Greek uh, journalists remind me that Vidas Karnauskas was the player of the second Greek division team. He killed Austin Reeves. He killed Team USA. I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy about this uh, group, about these coaches. I mean, everybody was... every press conference they were asking oh coach Kerry you have this hall of fame assistant uh, coaches coaching staff Kazis Maxvitis Thomas Trinkavichus Benas Matkavichus Sevaldas Berzhenenkaitis I mean Gedrish Benas yes I mean credit to the, this and, team uh, I saw a tweet yesterday um, there were millions of good tweets yesterday but uh, since you mentioned the coaching staff uh, I thought this was a great moment to, to bring it up I saw before the game LTU basketball, so that's the official account of uh, Lithuania Basketball Federation, tweeted that uh, Tyron Lu, per, per their sources, Tyron Lu was responsible for preparing uh, Team USA for this match against Lithuania. 
I don't know. I don't know if the, the, the job was done good enough because what I saw in the first half, they did not know anything about Lithuania. Okay, there, there are two parts. Uh, homework, uh, scouting, and the way players executed on the court. So we will Absolutely. never know, you know, if it was more about the coaching staff or about the players and their dedication. Uh, hey, but in the second half, uh, Team USA showed proper respect to Lithuania. Like, uh, we were up 19 and they started defending like crazy. I don't even see Anthony Edwards pressing the ball handler so much in the NBA. Uh, the way he uh, played defense uh, in the second half, it was crazy. Also, uh, Coach Kerr started playing lineups that made sense instead of lineups that he wants to rotate by the minutes he has prepared before the game, actually. So they showed respect to Lithuania in the second half, and, and that's what made it a hell of a ball game. Um, because to have a quality game of basketball, you need two quality basketball teams. And to me, it was one of the best uh, basketball games I have ever seen live. Because, uh, okay, it, it would be easy to say that in the first half, Team USA didn't perform. Lithuania was making every single shot. It was like nine out of nine shooting free. Uh, but in the end, if you want entertainment, you want competition. So you got the competition in the second half where, where Lithuania really had to weather uh, the storm and somehow hold on to their lead, sometimes making some really crazy shots, especially the one that Kuzminskas made over Anthony Edwards beating the buzzer. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was something to enjoy. I actually was expecting to have a fun basketball game because, as Donato said, it didn't really matter tournament-wise. So there was no pressure. All there was a basketball and you guys just play. And you know, Lithuania actually beat Team USA by playing their game, not playing some sort of tactical, difficult game where you just lower the tempo, you foul all the time. No, Lithuania was also happy to run, happy to shoot transition freeze and do all the stuff <clears throat> that Americans really enjoy. And of course... Uh, Vidas Karinauskas posting up Austin Reeves twice uh, became a, a, a really big hit. And, and uh, that also shows that probably they didn't go that deep into scouting to know whether Lithuania's tall point guard plays in the post or not. Uh, so yeah, it happened twice. Like it ha When it happened once, you can say it's a mistake. But for the second time, they didn't send any help to Austin Reeves. And let's be real, Austin Reeves is not a defensive juggernaut he's not a, a defensive stopper especially when he has to defend in the low post so it's not like uh Karinauskas doing this to him is a huge sen sensation by uh, like basketball wise but knowing that one guy just signed for Majeki uh, before the season and the other guy just signed a 40 million whatever extension with the LA Lakers that's what makes this uh so so special you know just, just, this guy, just for this your guy. information, that guy who signed with Majeki still has an exit clause before the season starts. So if anyone is interested... And Tadas Bulotas, <laughs> and Tadas Bulotas, his agent, used the moment extremely well and wrote it on Twitter after the game. And it was like, wow, you really know what you're doing, huh? Um, but let me, let me go back to this, you know, saying that, Litu uh, that uh, USA did not know, USA did not do the scouting or Tyler Lu did not do the scouting. 
I think they did the scouting, but the players just didn't execute it well in the first half. I think the players even disrespected a little bit Lithuania because from their body language, from their energy in the first half, uh, it was Anthony Edwards, you mentioned his energy in the second half. He was locking down ball handlers. It, it was hard to dribble past him. In the first half, he was walking on the court. He was making shots on the offense. It was it was easy work for him. But on defense, he was walking. And simple set plays, you know, you set one screen and, you know, USA are not able to navigate through those off-ball screens. Lithuania shoot wide open freeze. There was a highlight mix of the nine frees Lithuania made to start the game. Yes, the first one by Tadas Sidakerskis, it was a stunt. It was a wide open free. He's not really a three-point shooting guy. It's okay. But after that, all the other shots are wide open. It's not rocket science to make those three-pointers. Lithuania came into this game shooting 44% from three-point range. The best three-point percentage in the tournament. By far. And if you allow, and if you allow those shots, those easy spot-up shots, because you are lazy, doubling JV, let's say, in the post, they had an idea of doubling him in the post, but they are walking to double. Like Anthony Edwards on the baseline is walking. He isn't running to double to double them in the first half. So I think it was a little bit of you know disrespect towards the Lithuanians. I thought they're going. They thought, okay, we're going to win this game in the second half. Maybe let's just stay close in the first half. And it showed that if you play the the game the right way. If you do all the fundamentals, like crashing the glass, because 18 offensive rebounds of Lithuania did the trick as well. Like we won the second chance point 16 to 2. So uh, in the NBA, the offensive rebounds are not emphasized as much anymore because you just have to go back to transition defense. And Lithuania did this fundamental thing of just crashing the glass. And nobody takes the rebounds. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, I, I know he was in foul trouble, but he did not have a single rebound or he had at least or only one. So these fundamental things like moving without the ball when someone is dribbling, crashing offensive glass allowed Lithuanians to win this game. And yeah. it was amazing. That, that, that's a good point you're making about their effort and everything else. Uh, I agree completely. And I just want to mention a couple of numbers like Lithuania. I believe somewhere in the middle of the third quarter or, or at the beginning of the fourth quarter was 29 from 49 shooting free, counting both games, versus Greece and versus USA. It, I, I still think it's, it's not really sustainable, but these are open looks. These are spot-up shots. So you're expecting good professional basketball players to make those shots. Uh, that's what, they, what they're doing really consistently so far. And another number, as you mentioned, the offensive rebounds, actually even Montenegro had 22 offensive rebounds uh, versus Team USA. So uh, I think Grant Hill is watching all these games and, and he could be thinking, man, for the next year's Olympics, I definitely have to do what I did to recruit Banquero and Reeves to Joel Embiid as well, who, who, who is available for France, as we know. Because, like, if you look at, at the American centers in the USA right now, it's all about athleticism, their ability to switch, rather than their ability to just protect the paint and, and grab a rebound. Uh, you know, their best center right now is Bama DeBio. Uh, and, and, and you're expecting probably in the Olympics for them to play at DeBio and Draymond Green the way they did in Tokyo. 
and they would still be undersized and it would still be all about switching and switching and switching. And for, for the other teams that have dominant, dominant bigs, these offensive rebounds are still one of the keys to the game uh, if you're uh, approaching USA. But also I want to say that Lithuania did a good job um, taking care of the ball and not making too many live ball turnovers because that's what usually can kill you if you're, play, if you're playing USA. Uh, there weren't too many uh, live ball turnovers. There were offensive fouls. There were some out-of-bounds passes, but these are not the uh, tools for, uh, for, for Americans to run the fast break. Uh, but also I want to praise two players from Team USA as well. I know they lost. I know we, we have to be praising Lithuanians, Sedekerskis, um, Karinauskas, and all the other MVPs and the coaching staff. But Mikhail Bridges, the way that man defends in, in, in the pick and roll is, is something amazing, really. Jokubaitis, so far in the tournament, has been driving to the left and pulling up for his, for, for his jump shots casually. And now you have Mikhail Bridges, there's a gap between the two players. You're not expecting him to contest your shot. I'm not even saying block the shot. And he blocks it twice. It's really amazing. And also the effort uh, from Anthony Edwards, not only defensively, as I said, in the second half, but in this game to actually show that it's his team. Because when somebody scores 35 and, and, and does all the plays he did to keep the, the team in the game until the last minute, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you go ahead, Donatas, go ahead. I mean, I don't have many insights about this game because, uh, to be honest... Uh, Come on, you were about to miss it, man. You, we have to br bring this story up. There's nothing wrong. I went to Araneta uh, Coliseum, which is almost one hour away from, from Mall of Asia, to cover two interesting Duardai games, right? Italy against Serbia Puerto versus Rico. Dominican Republic. And Serbia versus... Wasn't going to be an entertaining game. It had some potel potential, you know. No. Nobody knew how no. Serbia will bounce back from that loss. Carl's, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, on Dominican Republic roster. I mean, <laughs> if it, you man. had seen Dominican <laughs> Republic play, you knew, like, you were not going to go to get that game. It didn't have against, any potential, man, come USA, on. Lithuania. <laughs> I just had enough of Americans. I, I was so tired about covering them. Okay, and okay. especially Lithuania. I actually uh, wrote a nice piece about them uh, before uh, Team USA game, explaining why they're the least unexpected, why they're dangerous as the least uh, expected undefeated World Cup team. So I was like, okay, finally... Since uh, I had a fever, I couldn't cover other games. So there's my last chance to go to Araneta and to cover those other teams, especially from the big markets like uh, Serbia. And of course, Italy, Duarte game, Gianmarco Pozzeco, it's a uh, content material, you know, easily. So the first game was not uh, disappointing. Uh, I did my job. Uh, Pozzeco did his job uh, as well. We actually had a small interaction during the press conference and afterwards. Uh, so I made my story. I was about to prepare another nice story about Luigi Datome, him becoming an X Factor again, uh, pulling out this win for for Italy. And you know, I started watching Serbia Dominican Republic. There, it was a blow, blowout game, and uh, the problem was that air conditioner started to kill me again. That's the reason why I got sick actually, because somebody in the Mall of Asia just has this uh, power to put air conditioner power, you know, up and to kill everybody in the gym. 
So actually the same feeling, I had the same feeling in Araneta and I decided to go to media workroom to continue watch the game from there because it was, I cannot stand it uh, to be in the gym. And then I see this TV screen with Lithuania and USA and like Lithuania is almost up by 20. And I see the bunch of Serbian journalists uh, very excited uh, having a dinner um, uh, at the table. And they were smiling and like, man, what you're doing here? I mean, <laughs> what the hell are you doing here? You should be in the ever gym. And I was like, come on, it's Team USA. I mean, it, 15 point difference is nothing for them. So it just, it just you know, uh, they're going to win this one. And, you know, as second quarter evolves and I see that situation is getting harder and harder for Lithuania and Serbia is like up by 30 uh, at the halftime. And I'm like, suddenly I start using my Google apps and checking how long it takes to go to Mall of Asia. And I got the grab, uh, I got my uh, cab to the arena and I was lucky that it was Sunday. There's less traffic in Manila, although it was raining and the car was moving really slowly. I managed to reach the game uh, just before the start of the fourth quarter and to witness this historical game. And, and I'm just, you know, the best part about this victory is not just that just, you know, Lithuanians made first nine three-point attempts and it was a crazy shooting night. The best part of it is that we managed, you know, to contain the, uh, this, you know, last surge of uh, Team USA in the second half, them playing at their best abilities. There was luck involved, uh, of course. I mean, Mindogos Kuzminskas making this crazy, the ball is slipping from his hands, somehow he grabs it and somehow he launches the shot and it goes in and he, he cannot, you know, he cannot stop smiling. It, it tells a lot about the whole game, but I mean, in a rational world, it's impossible to beat the Team USA with this Lithuanian roster, so some luck has to be involved. and. A lot of good things about that game. So, yeah. uh, I actually want to mention the sequence where uh, Lithuania responded to USA's uh, three-point possessions. Let's say not only three-point shots, but there was also an end-one play three times in a row. Like I think it was a ten-point game, and USA makes a free. It's a seven-point game. But then on the other side, you you get this crazy shot from Pizminskas. You get a three-pointer from. From Dimsha, uh, uh, a really difficult shot from Benjus, where Brasdekis basically just saved the ball being on the floor and threw a pass to, to Benjus. So that, to me, probably was a crucial moment where I actually believe that we're probably going to win this game because uh, to respond three times in a row uh, to the other team's uh, three-pointers is, is something that shows you're taking this game, you're not giving it away because you're protecting your lead. And and for Americans, it, it should have been also a, a big hit. Like it seems they're doing the right things right now. They're scoring, they're doing everything to, to make a comeback, but they just can't because Lithuania always responds. Uh, so yeah, to me, uh, that, that sequence in the, in, in the fourth quarter was, was key. I, I was, I, I just went to, Give shout out to Lithuania coaching staff. I thought they did an incredible job. I know we already mentioned them, but just this game showed that their game plan was perfect. They knew perfectly well. I know it's much easier to know everything about NBA players than uh, than for Americans to know about the Lithuania, like let's say league players or or those guys in the EuroLeague. But uh, 
Yeah, it, this is this is what basketball is all about. You have to know your opponent. It doesn't matter where he plays. And Lithuanians knew it perfectly well. They knew where they wanted to attack. They knew, let's say, Vidas Karnauskas was, uh, had a lot of critics saying he doesn't deserve to be in this team in, in during the friendlies before the World Cup. But in this game against United States, like his biggest strength, the post-up game, was one of the biggest weapons against Austin Reeves. And and this is uh, where Lithuanians wanted to attack. You could see Ignas Brzezdekis also. He is a big guard. He he has a a strong body. He was he was uh, you know in the NBA, borderline NBA player, trying trying in in the G League as well. And he's posting up Jalen Brunson because when he sees the the mismatch, you know, you know, he he probably has had this thought: mouse in the house, mouse in the house. You know, uh, when when he has a mismatch in the post, and Lithuanians just go at it, and that's simple. That's simple basketball. Or there was one moment uh, to start the second quarter. It was a beautiful play after timeout uh, for Lithuania. They play uh, their offense where a point guard gets a back screen. And Lithuanians should flow into the flex offense. And it's like casual stuff. Everybody knows knows this play. But Amantas Benjus, after setting the back screen, instead of receiving the ball on the three-point line, he cuts back door because the Americans are switching. And Lithuania get an easy an easy score, an easy two points. And you can't win against the United States without scoring those easy, easy baskets because you're not going to get... If they play real defense, like in the second half, you're not going to get much great, good looks. So I, I thought every all of this was really important. And I loved one adjustment in the end of the game that Lithuanians were not afraid to switch with Donatas Motiunas even on the court. You know, that's not usual to see from him. So, but it pro prolonged the possessions from the United States, like they couldn't score as quickly as they wanted to cut the lead from uh, minus 10. So I thought it was an interesting idea that worked out uh, uh, in the end. Okay, let's move on with uh, some other games that, let's say, mattered uh, in terms of qualify uh, qualifying to the quarterfinals. And the last game of the night, Canada, Spain took out a breath you know uh what would be your t oh, okay before we start breaking down this one Edith, can you just once again repeat what you've said before the podcast just uh you know just just uh give us a reminder about olympic qualifications yeah. if my calculations are correct and correct me if i if i'm wrong in the comment section but if spain uh won that game somehow if basically they were just one or two shots away from winning it and, th and they were leading in the fourth quarter if that happened i think puerto rico would be the second ranked team in the classification of this world cup from the america and they would go straight into the olympic games in paris like it's crazy uh because wow. right now what happened is that team usa and canada advance to the olympics as two uh, best teams from the from the america and and that makes sense because they are the strongest teams right but puerto rico even though they lost their game to italy still had hopes to go to the olympics if spain beats uh canada because because in that scenario we would have seven uh european teams in the quarterfinals and only one uh team from from the other continent that is team usa 
And so, yeah, that, that's, that's the system. That's how it works. Uh, how it's possible? Because, so, Puerto Rico and Canada, okay, let's say Canada lost that game. So, they both had, yeah. like, free wins, right? Yeah, but I think yep. Canada uh, finishes in their group uh, fourth, right? And Puerto Rico finishes in their group above Dominican Republic because they beat Dominican Republic. That's why I'm saying, if I'm correct, I'm not so sure, really. Because also, they, they would classify them according to the positions in their groups, not according to the winning record and the. I don't know, minus. man. I don't know how it works, but I'm. I'm just saying, probably. Uh, Puerto Rico had would has three wins, and they have a plus minus uh, of total plus minus of minus five points, and Canada obviously has. Uh, if they had lost. It, it yeah. was like around plus plus 100. Yeah. But yes, they would have been probably in the last spot because they would have they have lost to Brazil. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not sure about this one, but... I don't know, was, man. I, I, so maybe Brazil would go to the Olympics or no? So, see, that's the thing. From the Americas. From it, the Americas, it, it, I think. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like, it's, it's so hard to to uh, understand how this works yeah brazil brazil had a plus minus plus 19 finished and, and total they, so, and were, so maybe maybe they were it was definitely brazil. above canada because they have head-to-head -head advantage so uh, like yeah anyway whether it's puerto rico or brazil uh, it, it doesn't really matter what matters is that um, somebody else would go to the olympics instead of canada and canada would instead play canada. In, in the in the olympic qualifier that's the way i see it anyway we can talk about the game now. Before talking about the game, Ritas, uh, yeah. let me let me go uh, let me go with uh, one recommendation to all listeners. Probably you are following Shea Gildas Alexander on on Instagram, everybody. But this guy, every time he wins a game of basketball, he drops a bunch of photos from his, like let's say his uh, style photos, uh, his basketball photos, some memes in, on his Instagram, and he always writes this. Um, let's say, some lines of rap. And after yesterday, he wrote, they debating about if my bag is deep because they know the only thing I really lack is sleep. Left home and I said I wouldn't be back for weeks until I made sure I was in Paris next summer and not for fashion week. It's one of the favorite things that I see after, uh, no. you know, OKC Thunder wins some games or Canada. I'm not sure who's, who, who, whose bars are these, but it sounds like Kanye, honestly. I think... I think, look, he, he does this after every game and he involves uh, uh, like moments like that relates to his personal life. So I think that's that's him is, is, doing the work. Is he a, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Is he a new Muhammad Ali of basketball? He, he was also wow. known for, for making those lines, you know, about the upcoming uh, box matches. And actually he was okay. right predicting some box matches like, oh, I will kick his ass in the third round. And actually the whole fight, you know, ends in the third round, Muhammad Ali winning that fight. So while you're talking about the game, I will have to check if these <laughs> bars belong to, to somebody else. So, uh, okay, so Canada... Canada. No, no, no. Ritis, 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 yeah. go ahead, go ahead. What, what, what were your thoughts about the game? My thoughts about the game is once again, Canada needs better shooting desperately. Like they create shots, but the players who are taking those shots are not known for, for being really consistent. And, 
Spain was more than happy to give away some corner frees to Lugans Dort. Even RG Barrett in the fourth quarter couldn't make any shots. And Spain had the lead. I only watched the second half because, um, because uh, the game uh, was played while I was commentating Lithuania. But I watched the second half where Spain was in the lead most of the time and, and Canada was trying to catch them. So what allowed Canada to be there, to hang in there, is their defense, obviously. Uh, the fact that Spain doesn't really have a dominant point guard, so their physicality defensively w w was something that um, allowed Canada to be only five or seven points down instead of 10 and, or, or 12, but at the same time, they just couldn't make any shots. They were fighting like crazy. Uh, the effort was there, but they couldn't make shots. But then, in the crucial moment, Delon Brooks really showed confidence and that game tying free was was huge like probably the biggest shot of his career so far i would say uh and then yeah then what happened is that shea gilgis alexander did to victor claver something that mj did to brian russell it was it, it, it was like that i had know? the same feeling watching that play really it just i think that uh, shea did yeah. it let's say more according to rules you know there was less offensive foul action when maybe MJ had with this hand. Ah, there was no offensive foul on MJ. Come on, man. <laughs> In the 90s, to call that as an offensive foul on MJ, that's crazy. Snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Spain, as, as, as we expected, they had a good game plan prepared. And, and I cannot say they played a bad game, honestly. They also missed some good looks as well of course d throughout the game they they were using Villar and gomez they are a, let's say a heavy pick and roll dependent team and 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 Vili is one of the best pick and roll centers in europe right now so he ended up with really good numbers and and usman garuba was also there for defensive purposes let's say uh, scariolo was switching uh, was switching them um in the fourth quarter one for defense the other one for offense uh, really missed a couple of really crucial free throws while Spain was still leading the game. So I think Spain had a good game plan. And, and Canada, they were fighting. They were doing everything. You could see how much it mattered. Uh, a do-or-die game. Uh, they desperately wanted to be in the quarterfinals. Uh, they shouldn't have been in this position because I still cannot understand how they lost to Brazil. But somehow they managed to take this W and Spain... The European champions, the world, world champions, champions are out. And they are out also not because they lost to Canada. They are out because they lost to Latvia previously, in my yep. opinion. Um, my probably, obviously, Shea was amazing. Um, 30 points, 7 of 12 shooting, 14 of 16 free throws, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 30, 36 efficiency. Not that it matters that, that much. But that that last thing, I saw a photo of his last shot. His left knee was basically touching uh, touching the ground on that move. I thought I thought that was spectacular, just to show shows his shows his skill and how he can maneuver his body. But besides him, I want to emphasize the importance of Dylan Brooks in this game. Yeah. Um, Twenty-two points, eight of twelve shooting, three on three from three-point range. He had five rebounds, two assists as well. And uh, I thought his defense did the trick. Um, they were losing. Spain were about to shock the world uh, again. 
and to show that we cannot underestimate them. And But Canada's defense in the fourth quarter allowed Spain to score only 12 points. Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks was a big part of this. And uh, if you remember, there was a possession, one of the crucial possessions in the game. Spain needs a score. And there are two deflections by Canadian defense. And after that, I think they, got, they get a steal, they get a stop simply because of their length, simply because of their defense that they're capable of putting. And I think, you know, we already see that this Canada team has flaws. Has, uh, they have flaws that we talked about already uh, before the tournament, their shoot, some, some shooting. But their defense allowed them to win, to win games, to, to win the, these tough games when the shots are not falling. And this is crucial, I think, in tournaments like this one when you play single elimination because maybe you will have an off night shooting the ball but like they have this defense as their base so i think it's really important and uh spain could be you know a little bit spain could say man dylan brooks is free from free like it took dylan it took free free pointers from dylan brooks to beat us and as well as some other other shots from him so they could say we were a bit unlucky, but it's just they were but, pretty lucky last year in the Eurobasket. So <laughs> it again shows that Dylan Brooks definitely has the guts to make big plays. He always believes in himself. Uh, the man was really mocked a lot last season because of all the antiques, uh, because of all the trash talking, because of his performance versus the LA Lakers in the playoffs when. The Lakers were not even guarding him, not contesting him. They were daring him to shoot. But he has the guts to prove people wrong. And he made big plays, not only that three-point shot. Also, remember him driving strong to the right hand uh, when, when Canada was also struggling to put points on the board. So, yeah, a, a great performance by him. Also, I want to say uh, I'm really excited to see what the future holds for Santi Aldama. He's a very exciting, promising player. Um, basically, he has everything that you want in your modern big these, these days. So uh, I, I think he will develop to be a, a, a future star for Spain. Uh, so yeah, that, that was another great game of basketball. Great in a different sense, like we talked about Lithuania-USA being a really fun game to watch. This game was at moments hard to watch but also you realize that these teams are fighting for a spot in the quarterfinals and how much it means and in the end just big players making big plays so i really enjoyed it yeah ju just to add about canada's defense entering the final minute of the uh, fourth quarter spain was one of nine shooting from the field that speaks volumes about canada's defense and you mentioned dylan brooks he uh he was the main guy on that decisive uh, defensive stop uh, when I think Alex Abrinas lost the ball, the score was tied. It was basically around 60 seconds to play. And I, I think that in the following position, Dylan Brooks hit that three-point shot. Although I had actually uh, questions about that situation when Abrinas went out of bounds, because for me, it looked like uh, Brooks kind of bumped him. I mean, he tr kind of tried to block the path, set the screen, and I think it was a kind of moving screen or something. So let's say if I, I if I was a referee, I, I would have whistled the, the foul for Dylan Brooks, but nobody from Spain complained about that call. So maybe it was the right decision. I don't know, but it was a crucial uh, defensive play by uh, Brooks. And as, as you guys mentioned, I mean, to lose the game to Canada 
in the last minutes, uh, being up by four with two minutes to play and have Dylan Brooks shooting free from free from the free and also making this decisive uh, shot. I mean, that's that's painful. You, you, you can not put yourself in a better situation to win the game with all these uh, conditions. By the way, I, I did my research. I googled and it seems like it is Shay uh, spitting bars. It is. It is him, <laughs> man. It is him. I'm telling you because it always involves, you know, what happens in his nice. real life, you know, with OKC is, or whatever. That is nice. Respect. Um, Donatus, yeah. you me you mentioned the uh, one of nine shooting of Spain in the fourth quarter. And it's not only a testament to Canada's defense. It's also a testament of how Spain lacked Lorenzo Brown this year. Because, you know, yes, Dylan Brooks is, I think, a top five defender in one-on-one, -on -one, I would say. And according to the metrics advanced metrics defensive you know they, they would say the same thing the stats but it's not like you have to har guard Shea Gilders Alexander you have to guard Dario Brizuela or Abrines or Alberto Diaz in in the la in the last quarter so not no disrespect to these guys but they are not known as amazing creators in ISO situations so Spain that lacked that a lot and I think with Lorenzo playing this year again I mean, they could have shocked the world again. Uh, could they should have? Okay, uh, Latvia, Brazil. <laughs> I mean, crazy fact, Jonas Miklovas uh, had this great tweet. I still call it Twitter, sorry guys. Uh, he had this great no, tweet. No, no, sorry, everybody calls it Twitter. I'm not calling it X and I'm not calling tweets X's. <laughs> yeah, it's it, actually now these are posts, so it's so it's so casual. But whatever. Anyway, yeah, it, it's such an amazing thing to have Slovenia, Latvia, and Lithuania among the top eight in the world. These three countries, they, their population is three million million or less. So it just it just again speaks a lot about the basketball tradition, basketball culture. Uh, the talent and the teamwork, uh, team basketball that we play and produce here. So kudos to all these uh, small countries doing big things in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this game just proven a point that Latvia is a serious team. It's not like some sort of a fluke, but they deserve to be where they are by beating some European giants and at the same time beating one of the best teams from South America. And last time when we talked together with Ogis, probably we didn't put enough emphasis on how Latvia plays defense, how dedicated they are, um, the way they are able to switch with, let's say, a center like uh, Grajulis, and the way they are just fighting for each other. I think these, these are some things that actually make them a really, really super strong team. And then you can talk about the three-point shooting and everything else. However, one thing was really strange for me to see, uh, and that would be a question to, to, to Brazil's head coach. Like, um, I know you're playing a lot of zone defense because you want to hide uh, Iago Dos Santos, who's a undersized guard, or you're playing a 40-year-old Marcelino Huertas, but their zone was just so easy to break. I mean, Latia just make one simple pass to the middle of the zone defense to Grajulis, and from there he can create, he can score, he can make an extra pass to the corner or to Schmitz under the rim who finishes with a dunk. That zone was 
definitely not working. And and I I think you should react quicker in these situations. You don't have to wait until you're down by 15 or, or, or almost 20 points. Like, And they were using the zone defense for, I don't know, 80% or 70% of the time. And it was clear it's not working. Luka Banki was prepared uh, to face the zone. And it was so easy for Latvia. Just a couple of passes and they, they create the shot they want. And basically the zone defense made Grajulis the MVP of the game because he was always there in the middle getting the ball and having a lot of space to create or to score. Uh, so once again, Luka Banki proves that, that he's the right coach for this, for this team, having a game plan, both on offense and on defense. And the fighting spirit of Team Latvia is really unmatched. Uh, the way these guys um, enjoy playing in this World Cup and enjoy playing with each other is, is really beautiful. I'm just very happy for Luka Banki because uh, we... I think a lot of Europeans know him from his Siena Montebaschi times. Uh, he was the assistant coach to Simone Pinegiani. And of course, Pinegiani was the head coach. But from what I heard when I talked with a lot of basketball people, it was like, it was Luca Banki's, uh, let's say, project. It, the, this whole team and Siena Montebaschi, they also they always had this uh, exceptional, you know, mentality. Uh, they, they were unique in the EuroLeague. And it was, let's say, the way Luca Banki projected that team, and he's when he started his head coaching uh, career, it looked like a very promising uh, head coach. Uh, but he didn't find success with Milan. Later, he got a couple of more opportunities, and uh, the last time he failed was, I think, in Lokomotiv Krasnodar when they didn't qualify to the next stage in the Euro Cup, although they had a title contender roster that year, and he was basically off the market. And now, finally, he's suddenly getting back and. The way he, what he does with this Latvian team is ex exceptional, and yeah, I'm not taking any credit credit from the players. Uh, a lot of we can mention a lot of individuals like Grajulis, uh, uh, like Jagars, uh, Bertans, all the other guys, but. Luca Bank also is the, he's the guy who deserves a lot of uh, credit uh, for the tournament that they have. So I'm just happy that those guys, you know, kind of you know being written off but they recover and they prove uh, their worth and they're back uh, on, on on map again it is just yesterday was a day where two of the best stories of the tournament happened you know first latvia winning and uh being in the top eight in the world without all these players is a testament how great of a job luka banki did you said all the you said it you said it perfectly and uh, going going just back to that zone defense, um, I thought uh, Brazil were pretty lucky with it in the sec in the second quarter because Latvian were missing shots. They came back. Brazil came back from ten points down to e even the result. In the second half, they were much better executing and they were making those shots that they create from zone. But Brazil actually had to go to zone because Bruno Caboclo got four foul so early in the third quarter. The result was minus six when he got uh, the four foul when he was subbed out, I think with seven minutes remaining in the third quarter. And uh, in the next six minutes and a half, Latvians scored uh, 22 points in in six minutes after after he was subbed out. So. He was great in this game, Bruno Caboclo, but because he got, you know, silly fouls and in early foul trouble, 
that's where the game completely got wide open and Latvians were just killing that zone defense. And Andre Grasulis, his mid-ranges uh, was amazing, but I enjoyed even more when he got the ball on the three-point line. He wasn't about to shoot it. He shot fake, made one dribble. He was wide open from the mid-range. And he just passes it back to Davis Bertens, who is like eight meters away from the basketball. But he, he knows that this is where our best shooter is. He passes it up, unselfish basketball, and Bertens just knocks down that three-pointer. Latvia's passing was amazing. That sequence where Zagars made a pass like this, and they, and they had like four passes in a row. I mean, it's just a privilege to watch Latvia play basketball like this. Okay, and the last two Diorda games that you said that they're not worth... Not that you're muted. Yeah, you're on mute. Okay, sorry. So the last two Diorda games that you said that they're not worth anyone's attention, uh, Serbia, Dominican Republic and Italy, Puerto Rico. Just just few thoughts about Luigi Tatome. I mean, when he joined Italian national team roster for the FIBA World Cup, uh, it was already announced that he is going to retire after the, after the competition. And, you know, it's like, okay, you're bringing the veteran to show him the respect, you know, to let him play in the, his last international competition. You're showing the gratitude for uh, the years he dedicated for the national team, for, for his basketball ca career. And it's kind of unclear what kind of impact he might have uh, for your team as a, as, a, as a vet, you know, basically maybe as a 11th, 12th, guy on the roster so in the first three games of the world cup he scores maybe like 17 points but his shooting is like six of 21 or something the game against serbia comes he basically you know helps them to survive this game in a do or die game and puts them to the in a position to qualify to the top eight the game against puerto rico comes italy played a really high quality basketball they were crashing the boards uh they were creating good shots the ball was moving well the problem was that nobody could make those shots they were like three of 21 i think at some point of of the game and there's luigi datome in the third quarter he hits one three-pointer he gets another three-pointer he gets uh, he hits another shot and basically after that the whole team finally starts making those shots and you know the confidence he brings to the group uh the momentum uh, that he brought to the team just once again let them finally build the lead against puerto rico who were always very close uh, very competitive uh, basically due to uh, waters uh and, and his efforts so it's just crazy. And after the game, you try to interview Luigi Datome, try to ask him about his stretch, about his importance. And he just says, his response is, it's not about me. I don't want to talk about myself. Let's talk about my teammates. And it's like, the guy, the guy is just amazing. So thank God Gianmarco Pozzeco and uh, Gianmarco Pozzeco and uh, uh, Gianpaolo Ricci had enough stories about him to, to share his greatness. So it just, I mean, it feels like you know, it's just a perfect setup. It feels like uh, the World Cup is played according to some kind of script. You know, it doesn't happen in a real life, but it's, it's it looks all like a movie. Donatus, the Tommy just wasn't just doesn't want to end his career on a bad note. You know, because Italians and they're always he... on a good note, right? The way they sing, good vibes only. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, an but, Italian professional athlete retiring at the age of 35 is, is, is strange because they usually carry on until 40. 
or even 50. <laughs> like plenty of examples from basketball and football is, is telling you, probably their, their food and everything allows the, the, the Italian athletes to be in, in such a good shape for, for such a long time. And the way that Tommy is playing, you, you could raise the question, maybe he should reconsider retirement and, and try to get into the Olympics next year. Look how elders look in Italy. I mean, they look so cool, so so you know, fashionable and yeah. stuff. I mean, that's that has to be Italian thing. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned you mentioned the the third quarter and the fourth quarter of of Gigi Datome, and uh, he did the same against Serbia. Like it was Fontecchio and him doing uh, the comeback, the crazy comeback from minus sixteen. So, well, if if Italians are down to United States again in the quarterfinal, uh, look out for Datome in the in the second half to to make some shots because he's the guy who scores from the off-ball movement, yeah. and that's where and that's where the Achilles heel of the United States is. So, yeah, but that would be interesting. You know, also I have to say that uh, Italy Puerto Rico was not a very quality game. Uh, there was a lot of chaos on the court, like both teams running and gunning and 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 just not making plays. In, in the end, Italy found the guys, like Gianpaolo Ricci actually performed really well and everything, but I don't think it was the best possible game that Italy could, could produce. They were much better versus Serbia. Of course, Puerto Rico, you, you expect them to play in this way. You expect them to be a team that, that's um, running the fast break and, and, and putting a lot of trust into their star guard uh, waters, but... I didn't really. I, I I couldn't say that was the best quality game I've witnessed so far. But that was also a game for a spot in the quarterfinals. So maybe the tension has to do something as uh, something with it. Italy missed some really good looks also, uh, but we we saw some really strong dunks like Stefano Tonut going at the rim and Puerto Rico player. I think it was Pinero. He just put 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 uh, an Italian player in a poster. So yeah, these were some spectacular plays. Yeah, and just a few thoughts about Serbia and Dominican Republic. I mean, when Bogdan Bogdanovic hit two early three-pointers, it was clear, you know, the game was done already. The pace Serbia offered, the physicality, how aggressive they were. Stefan Jovic also had an amazing game. I mean, they just showed that this loss against Italy was just a fluke, just a, some bad days, some, some bad accidents uh, in Manila. So... They're back on track uh, and they are good and it's it's going to be a very ex uh, exciting and intriguing quarterfinal game against Lithuania. So maybe it's time to give our predictions for the quarterfinals and we can start from Serbia and Lithuania. Who do you have? Ooh, who wants to start? <laughs> so Lithuania facing Serbia is it, it's like uh, some of the FIBA classics you you expect in, in in these competitions it's a really tough game to predict uh from one side i i do see that lithuania has a really nice flow right now uh the confidence is sky high the players are enjoying being here in manila and representing lithuania serbia didn't really face any serious team so far at least didn't beat any serious team so far in, because they lost to italy they they dropped a 16 point lead and the only teams they beat to get to the quarterfinal are Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, South Sudan, and, and China. So 
they are where they're supposed to be, uh, knowing their strength. Yes, this is a Serbian team without Jokic, without Mitic, but I still have a lot of respect uh, for them. They have a killer in Bogdan Bogdanovic. We know what he is capable of in, in important uh, basketball games. They have Militinov, they have Goodrich. Uh, they actually match Lithuania pretty well. I would say if we go player by player, I, 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 I could see this as a 50-50 game and I don't really see a clear favorite. Uh, so to predict is hard, but I'm going to say that Lithuania will extend their winning streak in a tough battle. We know the mentality of Serbian players when they're facing another basketball country like Lithuania and it's a quarterfinal game. So it will be a tough, tough, tough battle. I'm not expecting any easy looks. I'm not expecting nine out of nine, out of nine shooting what happened versus USA or Greece. Uh, but I'm expecting Lithuania to prevail and, and to get to the medals stage. Donatas, what do you think? I don't know, man. Already it was against Lithuania before with my Greek prediction although I had my own arguments. And I believe that this time I will also go with Serbia because I just think that they have the best scorer on the court. And uh, regarding our biggest strength inside the paint, Jonas Valanciunas, I think that Serbia is one of the teams that are the best, let's say, matched up against uh, Jonas Valanciunas, having Nikola Milotinov uh, in the paint. Uh, I liked what I saw in Serbia's game uh, yesterday. Uh, I think it was an important game for them to have to bounce back to find their rhythm again. And man, Serbia is really good. So I love I love Lithuanians. I, I will support them. But I, let's say I see Serbia as slightly higher favorites in this game. And I will go with favorites for this one. Okay, you're, you're still sticking to, to the op opponents of Lithuania. Um, I agree, guys. I think this is a 50-50 game. I like the confidence that Lithuania are playing right now. But there is one stat. I mentioned the three-point percentage that, that uh, Lithuania were coming to the USA game in. It was like 40, 44% before this game. After this game, Lithuania are leading the tournament, shooting 46.4% from three-point range. And the second best team is South Sudan, shooting 40.7. That's 6% better than the second place in the whole freaking tournament. How long is going to be sustainable? Because there is another stat I have for you, and this is my biggest doubt for Lithuania, this three-point shooting. In the friendlies, this team shot 33.5% from three-point range so I'm simply afraid that not all all shots that were falling in the last couple of games so incredibly that Reed is as well mentioned 29 of 49 uh, so this is my biggest uh, let's say fear before this game because I think these are two really matched up teams but I have a counter for Lithuania and I, I think the advantage for Lithuania is the coaching staff I love their game plan I love their adjustments, in-game adjustments. I love their decision-making. I don't love that from Svetislav Pesic. I did not see any adjustments when Simone Fontecchio um, was hot in the, in the comeback from minus 16. There were no double teams, no, n nothing new. Like, he didn't have to adjust. And if you give that to good players, 
I think it, it becomes a really easy game for uh, for the for 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 the other team. So I think it's a 50-50 game, and uh, but I would I will go with Lithuania winning this one. I just have to be that you know hater who writes Lithuania off all the time just because then apparently it it makes Lithuania more successful as some players, coaches, and especially fans think. I just, so I just <laughs> hey. basically uh, favoring Serbia, I'm helping Lithuania to win this hey, game. Hey man, you don't have to be, you're choosing to be that guy. Like, but okay, in this scenario, I respect your opinion and your prediction because it's almost a coin flip. Like uh, you just choose which team you're picking. But versus Greece, man, that was a crazy prediction, you know? I think it was a normal prediction because many people were shitting in their pants in the first three quarters. So I'm I'm good with that prediction. It was okay, it was man. high stake prediction, but I'm I don't feel bad about that one. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> man, and he tries to explain something, putting Australia second in his power ranking. Come on now, what the, what what the hell is we going have on? France, man. I have, what the hell I have is no going regrets. On? I have no regrets. They lost in a nail It's unfair. It's unfair Germany. from your side, really. And it was, it was not a prediction. We had France. It, it was a power ranking. It was not a prediction. And you had France, so... So we're... we're it's, not like, it's not like we are much better. Yeah. <laughs> still, still. It's crazy. Uh, Italy, USA. The Paolo Banquero game, right? <laughs> um, Italian journalists have something to do today and tomorrow. You know... As strange as it sounds, the loss to Lithuania for, for USA is maybe a blessing in disguise because now they're, instead of facing another team that has a big center that could grab a lot of offensive rebounds, now they're facing a team that is the perfect team to face with your switch-all defense. Uh, they don't have dominant centers that can hurt you in the paint. They don't have guys that post up. Well, a little bit in some situations, maybe with some mismatches, Melly can post up, but for Team USA, it's a good team to use their switch-all defense. And, and, and for Italy to create advantages will be super, super tough. So versus Serbia, I would say Team USA might have some problems, but now they're facing Italy and it seems like a more comfortable opponent for them. So I, I hope that Italy will be making shots. I hope that Fontecchio will have a good game. So we could see a, a real quarterfinal where where uh, USA has to be serious for 40 minutes. But I don't really see an upset here. Uh, I think that uh, it's a good matchup for USA and they, they will advance. I Man, Ritis, you said it so well. I think that about this Italy game. has like two components that reminds me yesterday's game. They can have a crazy shooting night, and they they have the ability to crash the boards. They did it really well against Puerto Rico. I think that they they took almost uh, twenty offensive rebounds. But as Ritis mentioned, I mean they don't have such a dominant center inside the paint uh, to punish to put Jaron Jackson in foul trouble. And of course, I mean to beat Team USA, you have to play above above your level. Out of factors have to be included. And I don't know, I, I will be rational with this one as well. So I'm going with Team USA. I agree with you guys. I think it's a perfect, uh, let's say, it's a very, very comfortable matchup for for the United States. Their uh, off-ball movement of Italy could hurt, but if they're serious from the beginning, 
it's going to be much harder to do. Simone Fontecchio is also, you know, facing, let's say, will be facing probably Mikhail Bridges or, 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 you know, his type of body uh, caliber defender. So um, it's definitely no, not going to be easy, easy for him as it was against Serbia. So uh, yeah, and also as much as it hurts, I have to go with states, United States as well. And also on top of things, I think it doesn't help Italy that USA got their asses kicked. Like it will probably be a lesson for nope. them, and and they will be approaching this quarterfinals uh, with more seriousness, and they will not start so casually without energy. Like like you said, walking on defense. I think after they they were beaten by Lithuania, it was a wake up call, as Austin Reeves admitted in the mix zone. Um, so yeah, it also doesn't help Italy's chances that that USA already lost one game. What what type of I agree. call it was in Germany and Slovenia game when Coach Herbert just tried to sit down Dennis Schroeder, who apparently didn't. I don't know, man. I mean, Dennis Schroeder has a hot temper sometimes. Maybe he's he's hard to handle for for the head coach, but. Well, it just happened, but I don't really think it affects Germany that much because we see what happened afterwards, the way they played in the second half. So I'm not too concerned about chemistry or anything uh, like that. I, I still see Germany as one of the favorites to win a medal, maybe even to fight for a gold medal in, in this tournament. Do we all go with Germany over Latvia? And if, if yes, what could be, let's say, threats to Germany potentially coming from Latvian side? Okay, so first of all, I, I, I don't want to disrespect Latvia anymore. So I have to say that if Latvia faced Slovenia, I could see them making it happen again. I could see that actually. Uh, but Germany, especially Franz Wagner is back. Wow, it will be so hard for them to defend and... and how Latvia could hurt Germany, it's clear, again, with their ball movement, with their, with their team basketball. Uh, if they make shots, if their point guards get hot, Zorix and, and Jagers, uh, they could match Germany in scoring department for a while. But a team with Denis Schroeder, with Mo Delau and, and, and Franz Wagner is so tough to defend. And Germany has been a, on a hot streak so far. And they beat some great teams, especially Australia, my second power rankings team so yeah i i do want to see latvia doing some of this some of the things they already did versus let's say france uh spain but germany might be just too tough for them so uh i would say germany advances to the semi-final i agree with you guys i think after these two rounds before the playoffs, I would even rate Germany as the actually playing the best basketball at the moment in the, in the tournament. I think they have it all. It takes the, it all it takes to win the the, the whole thing, and uh, I really can't see. You know, logically thinking, it's really hard for me to see how Latvia can win this one. But since it's one game, since La Latvia are, are also playing with confidence. At high, you know, all-time high. 
I'm not sure. I don't want to disrespect the Latvians, but if since we are going with predictions, I will go with Germany winning this one. And the last one is interesting. Canada, Slovenia. I can't wait for... I don't think it's interesting. I can't wait for Luka Doncic. I mean, it's interesting for me, basically, mostly because of Dylan Brooks and Luka Doncic uh, matchup. I remember that he he tried uh, he did some trash talking uh, in the NBA. Uh, I mean Dylan Brooks on on Luka Doncic, but I think that the last matchup that they actually had the NBA due to injuries and some other various reasons, I think it was just during the 2020-2021 season or something. So to see that matchup on FIBA court right now will will be something special, and especially at such a high stake game like uh, quarterfinals. I already imagine uh, how, you know, Lucas' face is going to be after Dylan Brooks gets in his grill and the other guys, Lou, Lou Dwart. Uh, but hey, why I said it's not going to be interesting, like there will be a lot of storylines in this game. Shea versus Luca, who is the best player in the competition, maybe, you know, who is the best player overall. But I think this Canada team is... This could be where it go wrong in, in a couple of days, but this Canada team is a perfect team to play against Slovenia. Their defense is amazing. Uh, who is going to guard Shea from Slovenia's side? I think this could be an easy blowout for Canada. But hey, this is Luka Doncic where they are going, going to be playing against. So anything can happen. Some rainbow, rain, rainbow step back freeze. But I, I see this being a, like a twenty-point difference. Okay, uh, for once, for, uh, for once, I probably have to make a prediction that goes goes uh, for the underdogs. And Slovenia are the underdogs in in this situation, obviously in this matchup. Uh, even though they qualified in an easier path, in an easier way than than uh, Canada did. Uh, basically, they played Germany only for the first spot in the group, not for the quarterfinal. Um, so if Canada once again has these uh, shooting issues, if again, similarly to the Brazil game, the ball stops moving and they start playing hero ball, and if Luka Doncic is making his step back shots and doing all the right plays and the other guys chip in like Prepelic, Toby, and, 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 and others who are actually performing at a very good level so far in this World Cup. It's a doable task for, for Slovenia to beat Canada. Canada doesn't seem as scary right now as they did after, after they trashed France. After these games versus Brazil and Spain, you can see that they have weaknesses. You can see that a European team can definitely beat them. And I'm just going to go with Luka. I'm picking Slovenia. Of course, they, they will need some luck for this to happen. They will definitely need Canada to have a really bad shooting night uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going with Luka, Doncic and Slovenia. I'm also actually getting back on Luka Doncic bandwagon. I mean, it's impossible that we can have one stage without any upset. So I also didn't pick any underdog in the previous uh, pairs. So this time I'm going with Slovenia just for the same reasons. I mean, Canada has shoot, shooting flaws. Uh, they are facing problems and there's Luka magic. L Luka magic behind this uh, whole Slovenian success. Uh, 
the supporting cast, some other players, they're not as bad as I've anticipated before the tournament. So they have tools to surprise. They made it to quarterfinals. I don't feel that there's any pressure anymore. I, I really hope to believe that they learned from their past lessons uh, from, from the uh, previous competitions, starting from the Olympics, then the Eurobasket. I hope that they will take it more seriously. And with some, uh, with a lot of luck involved, they will uh, pass through Canada to make it the biggest upset of the quarterfinals. I like it. I like it. You guys are going with Slovenia. I'm saying Canada is going to win. Are going to win by twenty. That's that's so that disrespectful. To be an interesting that's disrespectful to take. I don't. I don't think so. I. I just think. I just think Canada is perfectly suited to play this Slovenian team. That's true. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, hey, you might be very right with this one. Your prediction actually makes more sense than ours. I. <laughs> I admit it. But the thing with prediction is that. I, I, I mean, in 2010, Octopus Powell proven that uh, a, an animal or a creature is just perfectly capable of picking the right brackets as a human being. They have more or less the same chances of doing so. Uh, so predictions yeah. are there for, always to be um, made fun of when something goes wrong. And in this World Cup, obviously, a lot of things are going against the predictions. Absolutely. You're going to get some right, you're going to get some wrong. So. Shout out to Octopus Pauli, the legend, the real legend. <laughs> so since it's getting crowded here in the media workroom, a lot of journalists are coming from different spots, like from Jakarta, Okinawa, or just from Araneta Coliseum. So the media workroom is getting a little bit more expanded. Uh, more and more journalists are coming here because we're actually close to the beginning of the Serbian national team practice. Slovenia follow up next if they won't cancel the practice as well, because I saw that Canada already canceled the practice. So a lot of stuff to do here. Uh, and of course, uh, catch up all the updates, all the news articles and stories about the World Cup on basketnews.com website. And of course, on basketnews.com social media channels on Twitter and instagram and of course follow and subscribe uh, basketnews.com youtube channel it was a pleasure to talk to you guys uh, one more time and let's see you after the quarterfinals <laughs>